Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. It's absolutely, it is terrifying. I mean, when you're in the open, like in Africa, how the train is where we were hunting, there's no trees to climb. There's nowhere to run, to hide from this thing. You are standing face to face, and if it wants to run at you and trample you... You're done. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy, you are in trouble. Welcome back, everybody, to another Fall Obsession podcast episode. Our podcast is driven by our friends over at Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I'll give them a shout-out here at the end. I am Sam with Fall Obsession, your podcast host, and thank you guys for listening or streaming, however you guys might be joining us today. I am on here with a special guest, her first time joining us on Fall Obsession podcast, and that is Sarah Gamash. Did I say that right? I got it right? You did. All right, good deal. Off to a good start. How are you doing today, Sarah? I'm good. I just got done working for the day and looking forward to chatting with you. Awesome. Yeah, well, we're really excited to to have you have you join us and I mean, I could I could give a little bit of a background as to why we wanted to have you on here, but I think it'd be better just to to dive in and give you the opportunity to to introduce yourself and just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and and where you're from. All right. Yeah, so I live in Washington state and I, I'm primarily an archery hunter. That's my thing. I do both compound and traditional archery. So I also shoot a recurve and a longbow. Uh, recently picked up the longbow. That's like my newest adventure is the longbow. Um, I've been hunting since I was 11 years old. So it's been a big part of my life and um, you could say a lifestyle basically. And I, I started hunting uh, with my dad at that age. And then as my 
as I got older, my journey with hunting has kind of changed and adapted. And now I'm to the point where I have two of my own kids and they are hunting. And so most of my satisfaction comes from taking them out. Awesome. Very cool. So um, you touched on the you touched on the longbow portion and I I don't know why that just snagged me right here at the at the very beginning but for me as a a bow hunter myself um, I'm I'm very passionate about archery hunting as well I I have not dabbled into the traditional side of everything it's it's a bucket list item for me at one point that I'd like to get into but tell us a little bit about and I I guess I'm just going to start our conversation here with the longbow but tell us a little bit about what interested you about that and why you why you moved into the traditional archery side of everything? Uh, I was really looking for a new challenge. I had it in my head that when I got started with my compound, it was going to take me years and years to be successful and get my first animal, and I was going to struggle. And I got very lucky to have some um, good coaching and good mentors right out of the gate when I started my archery journey. I progressed very fast and I actually shot my first animal with a compound within I think six months of owning a bow. Um, so I stuck with the compound for a couple years and then to be honest I kind of kind of just got a little bored with it and I was like hey, you know I'm, I'm ready for my next challenge and there were a lot of people that inspired me. Uh, Aaron Snyder's one you know he's he's huge in the traditional archery world and then my archery coach Joel Turner also primarily exclusively shoots um, traditional archery. Um, so that that was like where it started. And then when I got my first recurve bow, I was just instantly hooked. And I knew that I wanted to sit with it. It was definitely the challenge I was looking for. It's very humbling. If you think you're a good archer with a compound, just go pick up a recurve bow. <laughs> you will learn very quickly. That's a whole different ball game. Um, and I just found that it was more rewarding when I was able to get an animal that if I took it with my recurve, um, just the emotions that I felt and, um, the achievement that I felt with that was more rewarding than with a compound. Uh, I just recently picked up the longbow cause I was on archery competition and my buddy had it there and he, he was selling it. He needed the money. It was a good deal. And I figured, Hey, why not? I don't have an animal with a longbow, so I'm going to do it and see how it goes <laughs> awesome so what hunts have you been on um bow hunting traditionally um most of my hunts have been in texas and mostly because i wanted to have a like a high a good shot opportunity like it's it's a target rich environment over here in washington it's extremely hard because we're hunting blacktail which are very elusive mm-hmm. and so elk and I wasn't quite sure I was ready to <laughs> shoot an elk with a, with a recurve yet. So we have a place in Texas that we go. Um, it's like my husband and I and my kids. And it's kind of like our little getaway where we can all hunt. So I have shot an Audad, a lot of hogs, and I'm trying to think what else. Some, um, some whitetail, two large whitetail bucks and a couple whitetail doe awesome. with my recurve there. Very cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it's definitely definitely something that obviously intrigues me very quickly whenever I get into a conversation with somebody about archery and, and the traditional side. I've I've talked to several people and I'm I'm definitely gonna have to try it at some point because the the compound is is something that I love. But I'm like you, I'm always up for a new challenge. So it sounds like yeah. that might be it. 
Yeah, I would recommend it. Just don't get discouraged. It's one of those things where you could easily get discouraged. You kind of have to stick with it. And I think finding the right resources is big when it comes to, well, just archery in general to make sure you you have a good bow shop, you have good equipment, but then you have, you know, people giving you advice. I think you can get into rounds when you start trying to learn on social media. You know, there's some bad information out there. So I use Tom Clum with Solid Archery Mechanics. Okay. When I started, um, so I had Joel Turner, you know, who was already helping me that continued to help me. And then I kind of brought Tom on to do the physical side of my form when I switched to traditional and that, that was huge for me. Gotcha. Very good to know. Well, um, to kind of steer us into the rest of the meat of our conversation today, um, and, and I know you know that the, the questions come in everything, but I, I call it the, the heavy question um, that I ask people, and that is, why are you a hunter? Well, there's a lot of reasons. I It's kind of changed for me over the years. Like I said, I started hunting um, when I was 11 with my dad. So I'd say at that point, I wanted to do it because I wanted to spend time with my dad. Um, I My parents were divorced, so I only saw him on the weekends. And that was what he was doing every weekend. So I didn't really have a choice. If I wanted that quality time, I had to go out in the woods with him. So I wasn't really doing it because I was so eager to kill an animal. You know, I was a little girl. Yeah. <laughs> but my life, that, that was my reasoning. And then as I got older, I started realizing, hey, I'm not good at traditional sports. <laughs> I need to find something I'm actually good at. And it's not basketball, soccer, you know, track, any of that stuff. So I just continued my hunting journey and I started going out on my own solo hunting and I found it very rewarding it was very like serene to me to be out in the woods I've always had a crazy hectic busy life and when I'm in the woods that's like my my peaceful time almost like my meditation um, where I just feel something during that time that I don't feel at any other point in my life um, no matter what I'm doing and then when I started becoming successful you know I didn't shoot my first animal till I was 19 um, the rewards that came with that were huge. I really appreciate that as a hunter, we know where our meat came from. We know that those animals lived a good life. Um, you know, with the farming industry or the, the big factories out there that are doing these awful things to these animals, that they're living in confined spaces, they're being pumped full of hormones. Like, that is an awful life for an animal. And to know that we are eating clean meat where the animal, you know, had a chance to live in its natural environment, how God intended. Um, it, it makes me feel good. And to be part of the process from start to finish, um, from the time that you, you know, shoot and kill the animal. I do all the field dressing myself. All, most of the time I do all the butchering myself. And then to sit down and eat a steak at the end of the day, knowing that you were part of that entire process is very rewarding to me. Absolutely. Very, That's my long <laughs> Very well said. Very well said. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, you you touched on the on the social media side of everything earlier in, in the discussion, and, and I, I feel like it, you know, obviously that's where everybody's attention most of the time is driven these days, and I feel like it gives almost a... It, it depends on, on who, you, who you follow and who you spend your time, you know, tracking and everything, but... Um, it kind of gives a false sense of reality, you know, in that it's all, it's all big deer and, and trophy picks and, and that kind of stuff. And the, the nitty gritty, the, the meat side of it, the provision side of it, as, as you alluded to is, 
that, that's that's where it hits home and that's what it's all about and it's it's refreshing to hear somebody bring that so strongly into their perspective of why they're a hunter and and love the outdoors so it's awesome like yeah i do a good job at portraying that you know when people ask me why i like hunting um even my daughter like i've instilled instilled that into my kids that hey this is why we hunt and i'll never forget like there was a like a paraeducator at her school that was very much against hunting. And I went to pick my daughter up one day and she's like, I had the best conversation with your daughter. And she was like eight at the time. And she said, you know, I've been an anti-hunter my entire life. And the reason why is because I thought you guys were just bloodthirsty killers, like thrill killers, just doing it for fun, you know? And I started talking to your daughter about hunting because she said you guys had gone on a hunting trip. And I asked her, well, why do you guys hunt? And she said, well, because we do it for food. And she explained this whole process to me. And she goes, by the end of the conversation, I'm now like pro hunting because now I understand it. And so it's, re it's really important to me that people know that and the people that I talk to that are not hunters understand that that's why I do it. Absolutely. 100%. So we, uh, we obviously got in contact with you for, for this podcast and everything through social media and um, have been a, a loyal follower of yours and have enjoyed watching your adventures up there in the in the Pacific Northwest for a while. Um, but could you tell us just a little bit about some... First off, if you if anybody does follow your page, they know that you go on some crazy adventures. And, and in my opinion, you and your family, y'all as with the archery challenges and that kind of stuff, y'all, y'all test your limits. You know, you, you are always looking for the next challenge, you know, as you, as you said at the beginning. And, um, what are some of those really challenging, really, um, significant ad outdoor hunting adventures that you have been able to go on, whether it's up there in your area or elsewhere in the U S or the, or the world? Yeah, I really got interested in traveling internationally to hunt. I did my first Africa trip a few years ago and completely fell in love with it. I just love not only hunting the animals there, but also seeing a different culture. Um, and so that's now became my new goal is to try to do more international hunts. I would say probably my biggest one that I did was last August. I did a Cape Buffalo hunt uh, with my bow. And part of that was because I wanted the challenge. I was told that there were only a handful of women that have done it successfully. Most of the reasoning being that you have to be able to pull back um, such a large amount of weight, a high weight on the bow that most women physically cannot do that. And people that do shoot Cape Buffalo, even men that shoot Cape Buffalo with a bow, they usually do it from a stand. It's extremely dangerous to do it spot and stock. So I called my PH and I was like, hey, this is what I want to do. I was like, well, you do it. Because a lot of PHs won't even do archery hunts for Cape Buffalo, let alone here's a woman saying she wants to do it. <laughs> and luckily we had hunted before. He knew I was a good hunter. He knew I had good ethics. And I promised him I was going to take a whole year to prep for the hunt. And so he said, yeah, we'll do it. He said, it's the most nervous he's ever been, but he'll do it. So I spent an entire year working my butt off in the gym um, so that I could increase my weight uh, up to about 75 pounds. And then I also worked on an arrow build with Troy Fowler, who some people know as the Ranch Ferry. He's like the high FOC guy <laughs> in the archery world yeah. to do an arrow build 
I actually traveled with him to Texas to a ranch so that we could put that arrow to the test. Like that's how far I went that I wanted to actually test those arrows before I went on this trip. Um, I listened to podcasts. I read books. I did a ton of research on Cape Buffalo hunting. And then I went on that trip and was successful. So I was, I was extremely proud to be one of the only women who have done that um, with a bow on foot successfully without having the animal needing to be killed with a rifle like it was just the one arrow and we have it on film so that was another good thing wow that's incredible how far was he 23 yards 23 yards at 23 yards they look like they're at like five yards <laughs> <laughs> they're such big animals and my ph was ranging for me and calling out yardage and he we agreed that i needed to be about 20 yards to to get the penetration that we were going to need and so he would range and i'd be like dude this thing is like right in front of us i'm like how close are we and he'd say we're 40 yards we need to close another 20 and i'm like oh my god <laughs> so yeah it's just how big it's misleading you know how yeah. close you are so so i know you talked about the training and and preparing for a hunt like that and and you know the the arrow build and stuff like that but what what was your entire archery setup like for that that hunt what kind of rig and everything were you running yeah so i think so i was using my pse i think at the time it was my mach one which i choose i love pse bows because with their cam system and their whole setup um i can pull back that much weight i've never been able to pull back that much weight on other major brands like Coit, Matthews. I've tried. I can't do it. So that's why I went with PSC. Um, I think we ended with like a 730 grain arrow. It was a serious arrow was the brand and the broadhead was a tough head broadhead. Um, I think we had 300 or 350 grains was the broadhead um, weight. And I don't, I don't know what speed the arrows was. I never got a run do a speed test on it but um that full setup was pretty gnarly <laughs> oh i mean it looked like a lawn dart on the front <laughs> so and it's amazing how accurate i i thought that when i was doing this crazy arrow setup i would completely just have to recite my bow and make all these dramatic adjustments to my sight and my sight tape and I really didn't. Those arrows flew extremely accurate out to like 30, 35 yards with, with minor adjustments to my, my bow. Wow. That's that's impressive. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't have thought that either. Yeah, so I was surprised. I'm almost like, well, I could actually shoot more accurate accurately at some of these archery shoots with a heavier arrow setup. I don't I don't have generally a big heavy, you know, setup or high FOC for my my regular hunts. It was just primarily for the buffalo that's what you have to have right yeah no i'm i, I asked just because i'm always i'm always curious i i like to mess around and tinker with bows and stuff as well uh, and, uh, guys I, I don't go down that rabbit hole <laughs> <laughs> i don't know that i have the knowledge for that but that's like troy he's one of those guys and so i know i know what you're talking about <laughs> As you were training and preparing for this hunt, were you getting a bunch of weird looks when you were building this bow and, and talking about the purpose of everything like that? Was it? Yeah, what? I think people that thought I was crazy or at the very least, why do you have a death wish? <laughs> <laughs> um, he, My PH actually had um, several people I knew, acquaintances and friends that were hunting 
the weeks leading up um, when I was showing up and he was putting them in blinds and then telling them, you need to convince Sarah this is how she needs to do it when she comes. And I was like, no, I'm not doing it from a blind. And so I made a deal with him on the first day I would sit in a ground blind and see how I felt about it. And I did it and I was like, no, we're not doing this. This is not how I wanna do this hunt. We will do it spot and stock. And so he agreed to it and it, it's absolutely, it is terrifying. I mean, when you're in the open, like in Africa, how the train is where we were hunting, there's no trees to climb. There's nowhere to run to hide from this thing you are standing face to face and if it wants to run at you and trample you you're done and it did mock charge us three times leading up to me getting an arrow in it and when it mock chart when it comes at you you cannot turn and run like you had the as a group so it's it was myself and two phs and then two trackers um, for once I hit the animal, if we had to do any blood trailing, we all just had to like wave our arms, make noises and try to convince this thing to stop and not come all the way to us. So you can imagine what it's like having this animal come at you and your every instinct in your body is telling you to turn and run and you can't, you have to stand there and hold your ground and try to scare this thing off. So it's just that happening three times leading up to me having to make a good shot. And my pH had told me, they will mock charge a couple times and then that's all the warning you get. And then eventually they just come right for you. And so he had told me, just so you know, now that we've been mock charged three times, you might only have one opportunity to get this arrow in before this thing's coming. So that's what's going through my head <laughs> waiting up. Then I have to know I need to make a perfect shot. So yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> that, that's insane. Just l literally transitioning from a, for lack of a better term, just your normal, typical, traditional bow hunting mentality to survival mode, basically. That's yeah. That's insane. I I mean, I, I'm, I've never hunted Africa, and, and I mean, not that I wouldn't want to, but it's just it hadn't come my way, and I don't know a whole lot about it because of that. But uh, I know that things are dangerous, but that's that's a crazy feeling to have. I can only imagine, for sure. Holy cow. Yeah, it was, well, now I feel like I need to keep doing it. So now my, <laughs> my next thing is I'm going to do a, a brown bear hunt in Alaska with my bow. That's supposed to be for 2023. And my husband has now officially um, applied. He made me go apply for a life insurance policy. <laughs> so he's like, you're going to keep doing this. You need a life insurance policy. <laughs> <laughs> We uh, we had uh, some guests last year actually on our podcast. Um, some previous episodes, uh, they went on a, a brown bear hunt up there, and it was. I think he ended up putting. He, he took his bow. He also took firearms, just kind of just in case. And I think mm -hmm. he ended up putting seven or eight rounds between his rifle and his revolver in this oh, in this God. brown bear. It's it's a pretty pretty crazy and intense story for sure. I I know I know those things are. They can be just as vicious in the wrong situation for sure. Oh, so, yeah. Well, good luck to you on that one. I hope that one that one works out. It does. It does sound like it would be a fun trip. So, hope you get yeah. to go. Open so. Thank you. So, kind of moving on a little bit in our conversation here. Um, I know we I mentioned your your social media page and everything, and you you post frequently about your your archery, your hunting, your outdoor. Um, 
adventures and endeavors on there. What what motivates you and inspires you to do that? To to share your experiences with with any and all. Well, I started my page. Um, I started it like with no real goals or intentions. I just I noticed that there were other women out there that were posting about that they had a big following. And I was thinking, man, I, I mean, I've been doing this my whole life and I have tons of content, tons of pictures that I've never really shared with people. And, you know, maybe this would be cool to start sharing and just see where it goes. So um, I didn't have any goals in mind, but it it grew very quickly. And I started finding that it, it was very rewarding um, knowing how much inspiration I was bringing to other women out there, women that had kind of kind of started where I did, where... I have been hunting since I'm 11, but that was primarily rifle hunting. And I never thought about archery because I didn't know any other women who archery hunted, especially when social media wasn't a big thing. Um, I don't think there were very many. And I kind of just had it in my head that it was like a guy's thing Mm -hmm. and that it was possible for women to do that. Um, And my dad never encouraged me to do it. He just always thought it was fine that I rifle hunted. So then when I got my page and I started posting about it, you know, there's all this women coming out of the woodwork being like, man, I've always wanted to try try something like this, but I just didn't think women did it. And so I've actually even done a lot of lessons, like women that have found my social media page locally and come to my house and I give them lessons or I give them resources they need, like putting them in touch with, with Joel Turner, my archery coach, or sending them to my archery shop, you know, um, archery world so that they can go get fitted for a bow. And so I really enjoy the messages that I received from, from people saying, Hey, I thought this wasn't possible for me. I followed your page. It gave me the inspiration or, you know, lit that fire for me to take the next step. And then, then when they're sending you like their successful hunting pictures, I mean, it's just really cool. Awesome. Well, very cool. Yeah. That's, it's always interesting to see kind of where, where everybody's, uh, what everybody's take is on their their social media presence, and obviously some are probably a little more a uh, little more true deep down than than others. But just um, as far as their intentions behind it, but that's that's yeah. that's really cool that you that you're getting to not just from a online standpoint, but actually even like you mentioned the, the local people being able to educate from that standpoint is really neat. So. Yeah, you get to meet a lot of cool people through social media. I'm I'm a very social person, so I love I've even organized like group hunts and got to meet people in person or hunt with people in person that maybe I'd been talking to over social media, and it, that connection, that real real life connection, is is rewarding too. Right, absolutely, one hundred percent agree. So, um, kind of going off of the the social media, the online side of everything, anybody who follows your your page probably also knows that you're a very patriotic person uh and very passionate about your your love for your country um and i know i know in recent recent years obviously as everybody should if they're listening to this you know the some challenges and and uh trying to tread lightly here some challenges and stuff that's come up uh, i don't normally talk about politics and stuff on our podcast but yeah. we're 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 dipping our toe into that pond just a little bit here but um yeah. I, I know you've had some pretty unique experiences um since covid and everything started um what uh what challenges if any i'll just we'll start it off with this have you 
had to deal with from the online standpoint when expressing your your love for both hunt and country <laughs> uh luckily i don't i don't get a whole lot of pushback i think most of everyone who follows me is on the same page with me so when i'm posting about something political which also was never my intention with my social media like that just kind of came about with like you said the stuff that was happening with covid um i'm in washington so i'm in a very liberal state and a state that had a lot of crazy lockdowns, a crazy governor um, during that whole time. Well, I mean, all the time since he's been governor and crazy stuff, but especially during COVID, we, we were up against a lot. Um, my husband's in the military. My husband served for 18 years now. He's getting ready to retire in a couple years. And it really didn't sit right with me knowing that him along with everyone else all the other people that serve our country have sacrificed so much for our freedoms and then turning around and watching our freedoms getting taken away from us um like that like just within those two years like how much was taken away from us and it just really boiled my blood so i spent a lot of time going to rallies um like basically doing everything I could to speak out, um, trying to defy some of these laws, even owning my own business here in Washington. Um, they threatened to, you know, well, there was a point when everything was supposed to be closed. Um, and I stood up and I was like, no, I'm not closing the doors on my business. This isn't right. Like you're taking away our freedoms. There's constitutional things that are being violated here. And I could just kind of had it out with the state. Um, I had the state threatening to close my business down, threatened to fine me. I kind of had to go to my husband and say, hey, this is this is a big deal. Like I could lose everything that I've worked for. Do you, how do you feel about me continuing to just stand my ground? And he said, I want you to. So I just stood my ground and said, yeah, if you're gonna come shut me down, do it and just kind of called their bluff and they never ended up doing anything. Most of what my state did was just kind of fear mongering, saying they were going to do stuff to people and then not following through because legally they couldn't. Um, so yeah, I, d I did do a lot of posting about the political stuff and I, I did get some people that were like, Hey, I follow you for hunting content and you're kind of going off the deep end here. And I was like, well then unfollow me because I am not, I'm not going to tailor my social media and not speak my mind about stuff that I feel very passionately about. Um, that's not my problem. So just unfollow <laughs> me. So maybe I lost followers. I maybe gained some followers. I don't know. I don't care. I I did get kicked. There was an incident where I got kicked off of a plane of Alaska Airlines for wearing a Trump mask. I don't know if you probably heard about that, but that went viral, really viral, mm -hmm. <laughs> really really viral. Um, I posted that video of me getting kicked off on my TikTok, and I think it has like 17 million views. I had like Donald Trump Jr. posting about it, some really big hunting celebrities like the Bomars and Levi and Samantha Morgan posting about it. So that was a huge thing that happened um, that I became kind of known for the girl that got kicked off for when it came Crazy, crazy times we live in. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it it is what it is, and we've we've all had to had to deal with it in different ways. And obviously, you all up there in the area, you guys are as as you just mentioned. You know, it's been a it's been an adventure just with the the general political state of the area. You know, not helping or anything, but um, yeah, it's 
uh, I agree when 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 stuff like that is is posted or or you have a page intended for one thing and it 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 takes a a political tone for anything you you get people it, it's almost like like you said 50 50 you get people who are who are bailing because it's like oh this, I'm done with this or you have people you draw even more people in that are like oh heck yeah but yeah. um you know it it's admirable in my opinion to stand your ground for sure and um we from an online standpoint we're we're fortunate as an organization that all we've had to deal with with all this has just been some significant shadow banning and and stuff online we've never had to actually deal with anything boots on the ground down here thankfully but um yeah it very good on you for for stand up for what you believe in and um i just want to take the opportunity also to thank you and your husband both for for your service and everything so we appreciate it yeah thank you very much yeah it's not not always easy to stand up and speak out but i i wish i wish more people would do it <laughs> i think we might be able to accomplish more if we if we had more people that were outspoken but it is what it is some people some people might share the same beliefs as me and not feel comfortable posting about or speaking about it that's okay yeah absolutely i agree so how with your with your husband being active military how often does he get to get to hunt with you Never. We've never. we've never out on a hunt together. I mean, we, we have in a sense, we'll, we'll, we will go to like, for instance, we went to Africa together. But even when we're doing stuff like that, or if we're in Texas together, we're not physically like sitting in a stand together, physically out spot and stalking. We're usually, he's off with one PH and I'm off with another. Um, that's going to change. When he retires, we will be able to do more hunts together. But um, with having young kids, it's kind of a deal where... If he's out hunting, I'm at home watching the kids and mm -hmm. vice versa. Uh, he, he was deployed a lot. Um, the beginning, like we've been married for 12 years. And for the first 10 years of that, he was gone six to eight months a year. So he was always gone. Um, he didn't have a whole lot of time to go hunting, unfortunately. And for me, hunting was hard because I would have to find a babysitter. I mean, there was actually a time I hired a live-in nanny during elk season so I could go out elk hunt. She could watch the kids. Um, fortunate to have family um, close to us that they, they do take the kids a lot of the time. But, yeah, him and I, hunting together is not, not really our thing. He didn't um, hunt when we were married. When we got married, like when we met, he had never hunted before. So that's like a new journey for him. And luckily he fell in love with it. I told him he kind of needed to because I'm like, I don't know if this is going to work unless you start hunting and enjoy it. So, and now he loves it. And like, so this year, so when I did that keep Buffalo hunt in Africa, I went by myself. Um, I flew over there. I had been there before and hunted with that pH. So I felt comfortable doing that by myself. And this year he's going to go and I'm going to stay behind with the kids. So we do a lot of trading off. Well, there you go. I'm, yeah, that's a, it's always a, a compromise. I have, I got two young kids myself, so I'm always, okay, yeah, you know, you know I, yeah, I, I know, the, I know the grind. <laughs> are they? What's that? How old are your kids? Uh, my son, he actually he turns four here in a in a couple weeks, and my daughter's two and a half, so little, little. Got a while till they start hunting. I was gonna say, just wait, and then your world's gonna change when you're taking them out hunting. <laughs> I know he, my my boy's already asking me like, when when's he gonna get to go hunting with me and and all that kind of oh. stuff. He he he's he's excited about it, and I think I I, get, I have the privilege of being able to hunt with 
be able to hunt with my dad every fall and everything and grew up doing that so i'm hoping that maybe maybe not for like a legitimate hunt but as early as this year he can maybe have a couple times he at least tags along to get out there and start experiencing it so we're going to get him started at a young age so nice yeah that's very rewarding when you just start taking your kids my daughter just got shot her first animal with a bow at 10 years old i was really excited about that awesome. when we were so um yeah i think i got both my kids little compounds when they were like six five or six started out with like those little dinky like recurves you can get at like cabela's just to screw around with in the yard and then got them some good bows so, i mean people some people think oh i can't get kids started in this until they're way older and that's that's not true mm-hmm. i mean my archery coach, um, Joel Turner, his son, Bodie Turner, just won Vegas, just won, you know, world, world-class archery shoot at 15 years old up against the pros. And Joel had a little bow in his hand at three years old. I mean, he has videos of his kids shooting at three years old, so it's never too early. Yeah. <laughs> Get them started. Absolutely. So, um, with, with your kids, what, I mean, if she's, if she's bow hunting now, what kind of rig do you have her set up with? I'm just curious because I know we have a lot of parents and uh, mm-hmm. parents of youth hunters that listen to our podcast. So what kind of rig do you have her set up with? Uh, so her very first bow was a bear, a bear cruiser light. And she grew out of that. And I don't know that they make those anymore either. And then we upgraded her to the PSE. I believe it's called the mini burner. Mini burner, or there might be another one. The mini burner might be what my son has, but PSE makes some good kids' bows. Um, and you want to get one for kids that start out with a light poundage so that are really adjustable, that can start out at like five to 10 pounds and go all the way up to hunting weight because that's your goal. Is you know, obviously, it's going to take some time. I think it took her uh, three or four years to be able to get up to 40 pounds, which some full grown women can't do right out of the gate. Um, and it's just getting them out there and doing those reps. That's what builds their strength and builds their muscle memory. I mean, for kids, you're not going to be sending them to the gym to do workouts, really. Um, it's going to come down to getting, putting the time in with them and slowly working them up. And then with kids, as they're growing, you have to increase their draw length constantly. So always checking and making sure that their draw length is good. Um, that's something you don't think of. I didn't think of it because as an adult, you're not constantly adjusting your draw length. But with kids, you're going to have to do that. Um, and so that's been a good setup for her, and she loves it. Awesome. Well, glad to hear it, and I'll keep that in mind here. And here in a couple of years, I might need to might need to revisit this podcast episode. So. <laughs> yeah, and another thing with kids is you just have to find ways to make it fun for them. You know, like I put, like, balloons out, blow up balloons and put balloons on the target. Like every kid likes to be able to shoot out a balloon and pop it and – I even take them on my my 3D archery shoots. Those are a lot of fun for kids to, you know, to shoot at different targets. And some some shoots we go to have really cool ones like dinosaurs and random stuff, and, and they really enjoy that. So, Awesome. Well, very cool. Well, Sarah, before we head for, head for home or anything, first off, is there anything else that you'd like to, to touch on or anything before we start to close it out? I can't think of anything. I mean, if people already don't follow me, they can find me on Instagram is where I post most of my content and it's uh, PNW and then underscore Huntress. And I try to keep that page updated and 
you know, post my adventures on there and what I'm up to. I also have a website that people can go to pnwhuntress.com. And I try to post like my events on there, like the different archery shoots that I'm going to throughout the year. Um, whoever want to come hunt with me, I do organized group hunts um, all over. Like I'm doing one next year in New Zealand. So there's opportunities for stuff like that. And yeah, I'm I'm pretty down to earth. So if someone has questions for me, you know, listen to the podcast and wants more information on something, just reach out. I try to make sure that I reply to everyone. Sometimes I get busy, but I always I always try to make sure <laughs> I answer people's questions. That um, any help they need with archery, just feel free to reach out. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much for uh, for coming on and and joining us for uh, a little while this this week for our episode and we thank you i've enjoyed it good to good to talk to you and get to know you a little bit i appreciate it and good good luck in your hunting adventures and whatever you got going on this year for hunting well thank you appreciate it you as well uh real quick for our listeners uh if you guys haven't already hit the follow and subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening on we're on all major podcast platforms our episodes and podcast videos are also on our youtube channel go subscribe we're also on waypoint tv which is a um, free streaming service for hunting shows and uh, podcasts and stuff like that. Fallobsession.com is our website. That's where you guys can go to find all of our content covering hundreds of different subjects in the hunting and outdoor industry. Um, so head on over there and explore around and follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, also on Go Wild app, which is a censorship-free app for hunters and outdoorsmen. So go check it out. Ridge Rock Hunt Company is the podcast sponsor. Um, Derek and Lacey in Mississippi, they book hunts and they will get you set up with a hunt that meets your budget and your criteria um, in a time frame that works for you. So Derek's a good guy. All of his outfitters are vetted in his network and trusted, so he'll, he guarantees a good experience. So go check out Ridge Rock Hunt Company. Thank you again, Sarah. Appreciate it. Thank you. Enjoy it. All right, guys. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back again next Monday for another Fall Obsession podcast episode. Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.